Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. So today on the Not So Breakfast Show, we are exploring the topic of career limiting moments. Those conversations that we sometimes have in our head that we accidentally have out loud, or things you may not even think of as being career limiting. As normal, Sasha's holding back an all PC. And, and they're gold. I encourage everyone to read it. But if you're an asshole or a dick or you're just annoying or no one listens to you, then you can't implement those principles. We'll explore one of my own almost career-limiting moments. And I let it go. And he came back. The <laughs> boss came back. And became my boss again. And I remember thinking, holy crap, I could have so blown that moment. And he actually became one of my favourite bosses. And to be honest, this probably explains quite a lot. My granddad owned a circus. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course he did. Of course he did. The Travelling Jack Shane Show, which is actually why my boss calls me Coco, but that's a, a whole nother story. So with all that said, let's get into the show. So kia ora morena, welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha and Ish. Great to have you with us talking leadership, talking life, talking how not to be a complete and utter dick <laughs> at work. Ish, we've met a few dicks in our time, right? We, we have met a few dicks in our time, Sasha. <laughs> the biggest thing that I've been dealing with today is not a person, uh, but it's an automated transcription service. So we want to get the transcripts of these podcasts out to you guys. And we're using this automated service. And the first one came back and said, uh, it had Ish speaking and it said, welcome to the Nazi breakfast show. <laughs> no, no. And then right at the end, it had me saying, so that's it for the Nutso breakfast show. So you are, to be clear, listening to the Not So Breakfast Show. Not So Breakfast, because you can listen any time that suits you. If it's morning for you, great. If you're listening to us late at night, cool. And today we're really talking about avoiding career-limiting moments, right? Those things that we say, those things that we do that really just, wow, end it for us one way or another. But maybe before we get into this topic, I'm always interested in what you're reading. You consume so many books, Sasha. What are you reading at the moment? Always reading lots of stuff, me. Fascinated at the moment by the book Great at Work. Uh, it's a book by Morton T. Hansen. Uh, the subtitle of the book is How Top Performers Do Less, Work Better and Achieve More. And what I love about this book, it's got heaps of examples of companies and individuals that are doing things that are counterintuitive. So the things that you wouldn't necessarily expect lead to success. But the big problem that I have with this book, and it kind of ties in so nicely to what we want to talk about uh, today, is there's seven principles. And it's about you know getting smarter at work and then working well with others. And then right at the end, principle number seven is about how these principles will impact your life. So people discovered that by putting these principles in place, uh, they were more successful in their home life as well. And I just think that's us about face. I think that's going about things the wrong way. I think we have to be successful within ourselves and know who we are and get all that stuff sorted, be great at home, be great in our relationships, and that enables us to be much better individuals at work. Because even if you do the first six strategies in this book, and, and they're gold, I encourage everyone to read it, but if you're an asshole or a dick or you're just annoying or no one listens to you, 
then you can't implement those principles. So I think principle number seven should be principle number one, which is sort yourself out uh, first. So it's a great read, but I think when we look at when people are doing career-limiting things, it's not usually because they've made a bad decision. It's usually because of the way they are behaving. I mean, I don't know, what are your sort of experiences of this? Yeah, I agree. What I've seen people do is often leave work out of frustration. And it's like they, I don't know, you know when you exit through the fire exit of a building and there's a, you have to bang it real hard and there's a huge crash and the noise and you push your way out and then it shuts behind you and you can't get back in. Oh, you're out. <laughs> you're out, right? Rather than what people should do, which is leave well through the front door, <laughs> which tends to go back and forwards and you can come back sometimes. Because And you're not you're not talking about just leave at the end of the day. You're talking about <laughs> when you leave your job, you go, That's it, suckers, yep. I'm gone. Yeah, you'll miss it. me. You'll miss me. You'll regret it. You don't know what I did around here. and Going downhill you. now that I've left, out the fire escape. Why Why does that happen? It's kind of looking at trying to understand where people's perspectives and filters are at any moment in time. Because, like, I remember having, a, a like, a, a boss that I just clashed with all the time. And I remember when he left, uh, I wanted to just tell him what a dick he was. Like, I just – I was so – angry and so frustrated at this boss and I remember someone um, saying to me at the time this other manager said you'll regret it just let it go let it go and I let it go and he came back the boss came back (laughs) and became my boss again and I remember thinking holy crap I could have so blown that moment and he actually became one of my favorite bosses after that, but I don't think he changed. I think I did. I think my perspective was different and I was able to see things differently than what I was seeing at that time. I just couldn't see what was going on right in front of me. Yeah, so you had a new perspective when he came around the second time with him. That's a fine line, isn't it? Because we want to operate with integrity and tell people what we think uh, and that's not always the ideal path for us to take. No, no. And I think it, it's sometimes you, you'll you discover something and it changes your perspective or you see something. Like I remember my dad used to do this magic trick for me. And uh, it's because my granddad owned a circus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of co- course he did. <laughs> of course he did. The Travelling Jack Shane Show, which is actually why my boss calls me Coco, but that's a, a whole nother story. But um, he used to do this magic trick for me with these two rabbits and I used to love this magic trick. And he'd come in, it was kind of like a bedtime story, and he had this white rabbit lived in the white box and this black rabbit lived in the black box, and every day the farmer would take these rabbits out and feed them. And he actually had physical wooden boxes, and he'd put the white rabbit in the white box and he'd take it out, and this rabbit loved carrots. So he was always eating carrots, and he'd come back and then he'd take the black rabbit out. Such a cliche, stereotype rabbit. (laughs) Yeah, and this, you know, the black rabbit loved cabbages and all this, so they come back. But the, the next day, the the rabbits had swapped cages. And I mis- remember seeing this time and time again going, how are they swapping cages? I, I just can't understand it. So the farmer would swap the cages back over, put them in the right cage, and then the story continued on, and they'd always swap back. And I never really figured out how the trick was done. But one day I asked my dad to do it at my birthday party, and uh, it was my 40th night <laughs> It was my eighth or ninth birthday party. And uh, 
I just saw something different. When he picked up the box to feed the rabbit, he turned the box around before he put it back down. And all of a sudden I was like, I know how the trick's done. Obviously I didn't ruin it then, but I said to him afterwards, I've finally figured it out. And he said, what is it? And I said, when you feed the rabbit and you put it back down, you turn the box around. I think the rabbits are white on one side and black on the other. And then he did something that was truly amazing because he said, so you think the white rabbit's in the white box and he lifted it up and the black rabbit's in the black box and he lifted it up. And if I turn them around, they've swapped cages. And I said, that's exactly what I think. And he said, well, how do you explain this? And he lifted it up and you know what was inside? A yellow rabbit and a red rabbit. <laughs> now, first of all, that's slightly messed up to wait that long to actually show the big reveal of the trip to your child. And my mind was blown. So how many years had he been messing with you, black rabbit, white rabbit? And that wasn't even the story, right? Exactly. Wow. But it was so interesting because what I thought I'd figured out wasn't actually the reality of what was actually happening. And when I did figure out what the trick was and when he showed it to me, suddenly I could not see it. Like it's so in front of you that it's almost like your filter is so on that whenever that happens or that that little thing happens, it, it it's heightened. And that's kind of, I guess, where we could kind of go with this conversation. Of what, what things are happening right in front of you in your work environment that you're not aware of that if you were aware of would change everything from a perspective point of view? I love that question, but I can't get past the fact that you're not going to tell me the <laughs> trick because it's like a magician's code, right? It's the magician's, magician's code. <laughs> Come and take your firstborn child if you break it. <laughs> but once your perspective has shifted and you see how it works, you can't ever unsee it. That's your point, right? Where we see this um, in action, another way to grasp that is all of us would have had the experience of being a kid and saying, you know, mum and dad made us tidy our room or eat our Brussels sprouts or do something that at the time we said, I will never make my children do that. My children will not have to brush their teeth before bed. And then if you're lucky enough to be blessed with children, you find yourself becoming your parents, saying you must brush your teeth because your perspective has completely changed and you are seeing things in new and fresh ways. So it sounds to me that part of what you're talking about is this idea of um, like having blind spots, that we can't see what we don't see. So one one issue is perspective, mm-hmm. what's going on for other people around us that we don't see. And the other is what are we missing within ourselves that you know that we can't see? Yeah, one of the quotes I've often heard people say in a work environment is they'll say, well, I would work harder if they paid me more. And if we, let's just sort of unpack that for a start, because I think people confuse opportunity and stretch with remuneration and reward. And when you are trying to... Okay, say, say that again. People confuse opportunity and stretch with remuneration and reward. If you are trying to progress in a company and move up, uh, there's two ways to progress, right? So you can move up and further into the company, or you might move up and out of the company and exit at a way that puts you in another company at a higher position than you are now. So with an opportunity that comes up, you might look at this and you go, this is an opportunity for me to be recognized, develop skill, stretch my ability. 
if you look at it from a remuneration reward perspective, you, you'll often get frustrated because you might do this task, it might take you extra hours, it might take you extra effort. And at the end of it, you might think, well, why did I do that? But actually, the fact that you were given this opportunity might have been part of your development. And I, I mean, I personally have my whole success path within business has just been taking opportunities that are either created for me or by creating them, and then just putting myself out there and developing the skill set. And, and I mean, you you develop yourself and skill sets in a similar way. Eh? You tend to take on a lot of things and then find your way through. Yeah, I think it's interesting when I put my employer hat on as well, though. So we directly employ 15 people uh, in our company, and then there's 300 across our group of young people working for us. And there's this real kind of conflict or dichotomy between I fundamentally believe that everybody should be paid for every hour they work because I think people should be paid for their effort and paid for their work. I can also see, for example, uh, our young people who are training to be baristas. So we are training them to be baristas. They don't have to go and do a barista course that might cost them $200, $300. Uh, They get all the access to the equipment of the machinery and they are paid at a cafe assistant rate while they are training to become a barista. Mm. And then when they become a barista at a competent level, they'll get paid at a barista rate. And so I think that kind of reflects the fact that we're not going to charge you for training for a skill that is highly transferable and we are highly fluid in the fact that people come in and out of hospo, you know, all the time. But it would be really rare for a member of staff to say, I will train to be a barista once you start paying me as a barista. So I think that kind of is a really simple example of your point, which is that uh, we're not waiting to be invited into the opportunity with the money and the car park all wrapped up and ready to go. We want to say, does this opportunity grow me and stretch me? And that will be uh, a career-enhancing move uh, rather than a career-limiting move. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. Well, not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. Yeah, and I think also it's relative to position and pay because sometimes as we get higher in position and our pay goes up, we get to a point where we feel that we may be paid fair for what we do and then it's about this ambition to develop further, but actually your stretch might come from having to do more or take on more responsibility, which in the short term, it, it sometimes feels counterintuitive, but it's like, why am I getting this opportunity and how do I use it? One of the other statements that I've sometimes heard, and uh, it kind of comes out when people are starting to get frustrated, and it, it, this is kind of one of those levels of awareness where people say, if this was my company, I wouldn't run it like that. 
And I think the danger with that, and one of the reasons why it's a career-limiting move, is it's often you don't either have the perspective or the insight to understand why decisions are being made like that. We talked the other week about how you will unpack your thinking behind things, and sometimes that might frustrate your staff, but what it does is it empowers them to understand because context is so important. But if we turn on the level of filters and awareness, if you are thinking that, you might also want to be thinking, what's missing? Why am I not seeing the context of why these decisions are being made? And I think there's a couple of aspects to that as well. One is that too many companies are not transparent in sharing their information. Mm. So, you know, the boss lives in a nice house and drives a nice car and then to the staff, Christmas parties cancelled because there's no money. And staff go, oh, that's terrible. You're such a prick. And, well, I mean, anyone who cancels Christmas is a little bit of a prick. <laughs> but... What often people don't understand about the financial position of a company is they may be in debt up to the wazoo because they've invested in a new plant or a new piece of digital technology and the payback on that is 10 years and so right now there's a cash flow issue. So a smart business operator is going to bring staff in and involve them in those conversations to prevent people going, well, you're just mean and nasty and you know what a terrible person, right? But so often, staff and employees are making decisions or making judgments with not a full picture. But equally, it applies the other way. So how many times do employers say things like, oh, Sarah's got a bad attitude, she's been coming late to work. She just doesn't want to work hard, Sarah's a bit lazy. Mm. And I've been talking recently about this idea of the courtesy of a conversation. So before you go in to judge your boss, and as a boss, before you go in to judge your team and you spend a long time planning their disciplinary procedure or the employees planning their exit and their next move, to have the courtesy of a conversation that starts with a question. Mm. Hey, Sarah, tell me what's going on for you right now from the boss and from the employee to say to the boss, Ish, help me understand this. Help me understand why we are going. And I think one of the most career-enhancing questions you can ask is help me understand, teach me, show me. Show me the picture. So I want to be on board. I want to go the same direction as you are, but I don't understand right now. So take me with you. And that's way more career-enhancing than the career-limiting thing that says, if this was my company, I wouldn't run it this way. Yeah. Because I want to say, it's not your company because you haven't got off your ass and started anything yet. So shut up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it, it's even perspective for um, different types of work, you know, or or different um, ways of working. Like you'll hear people say, well, the younger staff don't have any idea what it takes uh, to succeed around here. And it's oh, that, usually. That's, that's true, though. <laughs> and it's usually the perspective <laughs> of work ethic or maybe perspective in the role. Like I've seen people get really frustrated with highly creative staff who are in marketing because they'll go, um, but they just don't seem to do anything. <laughs> They're always talking. And But if you think about that role, it's not like, and now it's 7 a.m. and you will be creative for three hours. <laughs> like it's Here comes a different, some slogans. Exactly. There's just a different perspective there than work that might be more, more linear or more meeting-based. So, I think that, you know, we need to be so careful about the way that we look at things. And and sometimes if we've been in a company for a long time and we got there because we worked hard, which was the original work ethic, right? And then started 
getting, you know, work smarter, not harder. And then it was like productivity. Like things have shifted. And even the way people look at tasks is shifting as well. So it's it's your own awareness for what's going on is so important. Uh, to bring to the conversation. Yes, yes. I heard a great story today from uh, a guy who has a company called Collective Intelligence. And he was sharing a story with me about there was a uh, group of people that were talking about their businesses and this guy, he was an entrepreneur and he said, oh, you know, I just work so hard. I work 80 hours a week uh, in my business. And a woman looked at him and said, oh, I thought you were good at it. <laughs> it's like boom right there right there sort of is the secret to how attitudes are changing about work right if a smart young person comes in and delivers value in 20 hours a week why are you paying a not so great person to do the same job in 40 hours where's mm-hmm. the value in that so good so good so if we're going to wrap up this idea of how to not be career limiting, what are the things that we can stop ourselves from doing? What we're talking about is being slow to judgment, quick to have a conversation, ask for more information, share more context if that's the role that you are in. And before you go shooting your mouth off about stuff, just reflect, is there something I'm missing that would give me a deeper and more meaningful perspective to enable me to continue to contribute? It's that ability to stop and pause and ask that question because so many people are in the heat of a frustration or in the heat of the moment say something they regret or do something they regret and you can't pull it back but you can learn from it so that you can increase that ability or that gap between that stimulus and response that's really what we're talking about eh? when you feel the emotional charge of the situation to when you decide to react and the more tools and filters you can put in place before then that actually might just go huh maybe I don't have all the information here what am I missing what questions could I ask you just end up making it more of a career building moment rather than a career limiting moment yeah, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning is where this idea of the gap between stimulus and response comes from. And Dr. Stephen Covey talks about it in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This idea that we can't control what happens to us or what happens around us, but we can absolutely choose our response. And I know you started this whole kind of learning journey-ish with Tony Robbins, so if you'll allow me. It's in your moments of decision <laughs> that your destiny is shaped. It's like listening to Tony right now. In fact, I can't even tell the difference. So here we go. Best part of the week, worst part of the week. What you got, Ish? My best part of the week was the start of the week, and it was because it was a long weekend in New Zealand. So it was Labor Weekend, and uh, which is the celebration of the 40-hour work week. <laughs> 40 hours. It's a sign. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was it was great because having the Monday off, but it was just because the sun was out, the temperature was good. It just felt a bit like summer and it felt a little bit like normal. And yeah, it was just great. I just had a great three days. The kids were away. Not that that was part of it, but the kids were away. You said it, you said it and now hundreds of people are going <laughs> to hear you say, best part of my week, no kids. I'm in control of the editing, so if I leave it in, it's my own fault. <laughs> But it was, yeah, just me and, and Joe, my wife Joe, hanging out. It was it was it was pretty cool. My worst part of the week was He's got nothing. Oh no, He's got okay, nothing. okay. No bad things ever happen. My worst part of the week is 
it's actually a bit of an ongoing thing. So I actually need a hip replacement. And <laughs> I am on the list, which it's happening in February, apparently, because I have dysplastic hips. I'm only hips. laughing because it's funny. I know. Dysplastic hips, which are shallow hip socket, and one is just worn out. So they're going to give me a new one, which is cool. But it has just been heaps of pain. <laughs> but I'm on some good meds. I'm doing some good exercise, so I'm okay. But that's kind of like the worst part of the week because on my three days off, I couldn't really do much. Just lie in the sun like a beached whale. It's all the social and career climbing that you've done. Ash, you've worn out your hips. If only you'd been mediocre, your hips would be worn out okay. The, one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's fine. How's this for the great paradox of life, right? Because what you describe as the best thing of your week mm-hmm. uh, turned into my worst. I also enjoyed some unexpected sunshine over the long weekend. And as a result, I got a free collagen injection in my lips, uh, courtesy of blisters and sunburn. And I was at a meeting on uh, Monday night. And as I was speaking in this meeting, my lip was blowing up in real time. So I started speaking like this. Well, yes, what I think is. And by the end of the meeting, I was like, what I think Because I couldn't move my mouth. Somebody who makes a living from talking. It was a terrible thing. The best part of my week is still to come because you guys have met or at least heard me talk about my precious girl, Portia. And she is getting an award at her senior prize giving on Friday. And we are so delighted and excited for her. She believes that what she deserves at 15 for the prize that she's getting in her school prize giving is for me to give parental consent for her first tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to look at how uh, the generations have changed, I cannot imagine a world where I would have said to my mum, I've done good at school, please may I have a tattoo. So, you know, we can, we can see how that rolls out over the next few weeks. My answer would be, yes, you can, but I get to choose it. <laughs> <laughs> I love my mummy. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's it for this week on the Not So Not So Breakfast Show. We'd love to hear your feedback about the career-limiting moves that perhaps you have made. What's the dumbest thing you've ever said that you've turned out to regret? We'd love to hear it. Drop us a line. Catch you next time.